0: Hi everyone, welcome to Visible & Visuals, an online platform pushing to make animation and VFX industries more diverse and inclusive through open, honest conversation. We are committed to making the people behind the visuals more visible.
1: My name is Tanya J. Scott. And I'm Hodden Abdi. And we've decided to host two panels on this topic, with different participants as it's such a big topic, and one we feel requires a decent amount of conversation. This week, we are focusing on the female perspective.
0: In this episode, we discuss career progression, issues and discrimination women face in the
1: workplace, and whether or not they are understood within the industry. Let's get to the discussion. Welcome back, guys, to Visible and Visuals. Um, Today, we are holding the women's panel. So let's get the introduction started. So let's start with Paola. Paola?
2: So, my name is Paula Poveda Urrutia, and I've been working in animation production for about 10 years, and how I've got into it was, um, did a film and media degree in Scotland, graduated in 2008, and um, because of the situation at the time, uh, there were not many jobs going, and I found an amazing job in an advertising agency. And then, you know, while it was while I was working there, I got the opportunity of producing animation TV campaigns, uh, which were a reminder of where my heart was, which was making long form. And so after that, I moved into animation, and my first job was at Arman as a production assistant. And then i just been working away since then. And, yeah, from short-form, long-form feature films and series. Um, so yeah, that's my story.
3: Welcome. <laughs> Steph? Hey, hi everyone. Um, I'm Steph Lee. So I run um, Kino Bino Animation Studio. We're an independent studio based in Leicester. I run that with my husband. Um, basically, how did I get into animation? So I always wanted to, to do animation since I was like a, a kid. Um, I went to uni, I did design, it was graphic design with animation. Um, I also graduated in 2008, so I came out and there were no jobs. (laughs) So I literally went straight into freelancing, doing like um, arts projects, like uh, animated projections, stuff like that. Um, And I finally got a full-time job working um, for a children's educational games company. And I was doing animation and illustration there for three years. Um, after that I had had enough and I wanted to go back to freelancing so I set up um, on my own for about four or five years and then I convinced my husband to quit his job and then we set up Keen Vino so that's my story. Um, Narissa?
4: Hey everyone uh, my name is Narissa Shander uh, I'm currently the effects supervisor for an upcoming Netflix feature with Cartoon Saloon. Uh, I've um Actually, how I got into animation was a bit of an accident. I studied, uh, started to study illustration uh, back in university, but I soon discovered it was not for me. I wanted to make certain type of comics that they didn't approve of. So the same year, I actually managed to change to the animation uh, <laughs> department, um, which was really fun. Um, and um, I've been working all over the world, from Canada to Scotland to um, uh, England, Norway, and um, I've been doing everything from story uh, boarding to... All the way through production to compositing, and uh, yeah, this is now my fourth feature that I'm working on, um, and I'm being a part of. And it's uh, just uh, a joy to work in animation and to create stories and collaborating and all the teamwork. And I really, really enjoy it. <laughs> Welcome,
5: Christine. Hi, um, my name is Christine Peters. I work at Blind Pig. I am a lead animator and a creative lead. Um, I work on commercials, TV series and film. Um, I work from the pitching stage, storyboarding, animating all the way through to um, delivery. Um, I studied architecture, um, specialising in animation, and then went into freelancing after my masters um, and then started working at Blind Pig and I've been there for five years.
6: Welcome. Gaia? Um, hello, so I'm Gaia Lamieux. Uh I'm a French storyboarder. Um, I studied animation for five years in France, and then I got hired in a London studio doing advertising. Originally, I was supposed to do animation, but I really quickly branched out towards storyboard because I liked it more and I was good at it. And a year ago, I decided to go freelance. And I'm trying to, like, find my way towards directing. So recently I participated in the She Drew That residency and produced a 30-second sting film all by myself. <laughs> wow.
1: Welcome, everybody. Let's get into this. <laughs> um, Paola.
2: I think, I mean, I've been in the industry for about 10, 12 years. Um, and I think it is... Change, it has changed a lot in those 10 years but I think there's still things that we need to work on for both men and women and, and yeah uh, I think you start see I mean I work in production and for some reason there's always been like you know lots of females in production departments as of female producers and stuff so in my in my kind of role I have never failed the intimidation of being surrounded by a lot of men in my production office. However, when you go to the floor, you know, especially in big features, or, um, you know, how do you say like more budget uh, projects, like higher budget projects, where there's definitely needed more people, like in each department, you may have 50, 60 people sort of thing. Um, That's when you start realizing that the representation is not quite there, uh, or at least it wasn't a long time. Well, when I started and now I have seen it change, but I still feel that there's a lot of misconceptions that are still happening. And I witnessed and experience, like very recently as well, like, you know, where, um, you know, the technical roles, for some reason, you know, they always tend to be male, supervising roles tend to be male, our director roles tend to be male and so on so I think it's changing and now in the past three four years I've seen that change you know and, and it's a little bit more representative but um, when it comes to the mentality and the misconceptions that we have about gender roles and all that stuff I think we're still a little bit behind definitely.
6: Gaya. I feel, yeah, uh, from a creative point of view, I've always felt that it was very, very male-dominated. And it's sometimes hard to just find your voice as a woman, both like, you know, like, kind of, am I going to be heard, etc.? But just from like a physical point of view, sometimes I don't get heard. Uh, I've seen that with other women. We have lower voices or we have to push harder and it's always yeah, in meetings and things like that, it's always a bit hard in a way to get heard. Um, I remember, like, that's kind of why I want to be a director, is I have, like, only worked very few times with female directors, and I know sometimes, like, like, it's a different view that we have that also needs to be expressed. So, yeah, in creative, I've seen very, very few females in like power positions in a way
3: yeah I think um I agree with like a lot of what what you guys have been saying um I know a lot of women that are in the industry and like I feel sometimes I'm kind of in a little bubble and all my friends around me are female they're all animators they're all like in more technical roles um But yeah, sometimes I've been like shocked when I've gone to kind of um, kind of like social meetups or like networking events. And sometimes it's just me and like one other woman there. And uh, when I get there, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And it's kind of like. I don't know, it's almost. I mean that they're, they're all really nice there the men are really nice but it sometimes just feels a bit intimidating like when you get there and you're you're like the only one or you don't you don't know anyone um and yeah I think especially in motion graphics which is kind of where I started doing my freelancing it's very male dominated and there's kind of that um kind of like a bro club like a laddie atmosphere <laughs> and I've had like um Project. I I did work on one project with um, uh, some guys, and they were really laddie in like the initial meeting, and I was just like, oh, I felt really awkward. Um, But that was luckily that was just a one-off experience, and then the project was like all remote and it was very short, so (laughs) I didn't have to experience it for very long. But yeah, that's kind of um, what I think about it. (laughs)
1: Larissa?
3: Um, yeah, my first job actually
4: was uh, in a smaller studio in Norway and I was actually really lucky because they had a um, majority of uh, female producers and female directors. So by seeing that, I actually early on got to discover what's actually possible and it's really encouraged me to want to create my own stories and my own ideas. But like, you know, as everyone has mentioned before, like when you go to different studios, you do see different cultures, you do see that it's more uneven and the one uh, what I really see especially is like in animation festivals or movie festivals if you see like nominations for best director for anything <laughs> if you see like who is nominated there might be one female there <laughs> maybe two if you're lucky and and there could be like 12 people that are nominated and like And we really need to ask us the question probably why why is that you know why why isn't it more even um and yeah, I do do see it there. And but I'm really glad I had a good experience in the the first company that I worked for. That really really showed um, more um, female directors and um, and also female directors that were mom moms that was also having a family and they were accommodating for that as well, which was really really inspiring. <laughs> yeah,
1: Christine? hi, and
5: um, so. At my studio, like, I am the only girl, but it's quite a small studio. And like what Steph was saying, I work in motion graphics. We, stud- we, we were pretty much only doing that when I started there. And I, did, I have noticed over the past, like, two years, that like, we have been getting more, like, female directors coming in now. Like, when I first started, it was all male. And that was only, like, five years ago or so. So I, I feel like there is a change coming. Like There is, a, there is starting to be this sort of, like, shift i'm starting to see more women out there and i'm starting to think well actually there's a lot more um lot more opportunity like it feels like there's more opportunity because i've seen
6: more women yeah go ahead. i think what what is a uh, something to think about is that when i was in school um it was 50 50 like women and guys sometimes even more women than guys and i always wonder Like, how come when I I go into the professional, it doesn't translate? And I know quite often, like, I have a few friends that were, like, animators and they branched out to production, or they decided to become more, like, go on illustration, which is great, but I feel like, yeah, there's a sort of moment where you realize, oh, it's going to be so hard to progress as a technical person in the animation because it's so male dominated that I'm going to branch towards something that is more welcoming to females that's my feeling about it anyway
0: I think that leads us on to the next question because I've had I've had conversations you know private conversations with a lot of women in animation and a lot of them have expressed this kind of feeling that there is only so far they can get there's already a limit as soon as they enter the industry there's already a limit to how senior they can get so I mean do you think that there's a glass ceiling for women um and can you see yourself progressing to where you want to be um if you're already there do you have you found it easy have you found it difficult
3: uh Steph yeah so I worked on my first job, like my first studio job at the, the game studio, we were quite a small team and there wasn't really any route for progression. Um, so I, I'm not sure if it, there was a glass ceiling there stopping me from moving up or if there just was no jobs. But the, all the other roles above me, like, were all men anyway. So it was there wasn't, like, any kind of, you know, like an inspirational person to aspire to be. Um, and in that situation, I think... I just left <laughs> because I was just like well I'm just going to go freelance and and kind of do what I want and um yeah and it's kind of it's kind of worked out okay for me I've I've been able to make films which is all I ever really wanted to do um but then obviously like running my own studio I've kind of had to deal with like setting up a business and and stuff like that and I think that that has been kind of hard to progress and and move up um because again this is like like the startup industry as well it's like heavily male dominated and you know I have met some really inspirational women but um I've had that same thing where I felt uncomfortable in in networking events or like I don't know any any kind of business event really um so yeah I'm not I I do think the glass ceiling must be there but I kind of feel like I've just gone around it or <laughs> just kind of skipped it and um, just decided I'm going to do my own thing. Um, but yeah, uh, it comes with a lot of difficulties, I guess. So
2: I'll let Paola speak.
3: Yeah, Paula,
2: go for it. I think, um, I think it's, a wider, it's, it's a wider issue than are you a woman or not in the animation industry. And at least I can speak like from my experience working in the UK industry. Um, when you go to a certain level, when you get to a certain level, I mean, like producer, you know, line producer, whatever, it seems that everybody knows each other. And, and, and it seems like that because I am experiencing that. Like now suddenly all the people that I've been working you know, with for the past 10 years, they're all dotted in different studios all across the UK. So, and we talk to each other a lot uh, when it comes to, like, how did you approach this project? Have you ever worked with this person? Blah, 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 So we rely in our industry a lot of, like, who you know and have you worked with this person before? So there's a generation, you know, maybe 10 years before us, you know, that I think it was very male-dominated. And obviously, they they still rely, like, have you worked with that director? What is he like as a producer sort of thing? So then because we rely a lot of, like, you know, recommendations sort of thing, you know, there's no woman, you know, within that. And I think that's now starting to change. But like, you know, there's still a lot of like, you know, higher positions and very, very like maybe male dominated that work with always with the same group of guys, because why wouldn't you? Right? Like you've worked with them, you like them, they, they work well, you know, they have a good creative vision. So then let's bring them back. But what that does is like, then how do you get in there in the first place? sort of thing. And I think in the UK now it's a very good situation because, you know, like it's very busy. So people need more people, you know, and that's opening, you know, positions, you know, to people that are talented, regardless of male, female, you know, and all that stuff. But like there's still a lot of, you know, like we still rely on like the old contact sort of thing. And and that's part of the problem sort of thing. It's just like this this group of people that they've always been working with each other. It's like, well, when, when do you fit in if, you, if you're just new in the industry? Sort of thing. So I think, I think that's one of the issues. And the second issue that I think is, is, yes, there's this misconception about women not being technical or being emotional and blah, 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 blah that we're still, you know, trying to change it. You know, and because men can be very emotional as well, <laughs> and they can be really, you know, interesting in certain times as well to work with. You know, and it's just like, okay, you know, like how, yeah, how do we, how do we create, you know, an environment in animation where when people have bad days, you can pull them aside and say, okay, how is your workload? You know, how how am I going to support you as a producer in order to be able for you to to get the best out of you, basically. Um, but again, like all those negative treats, they always seem to go to women, you know, they, they're too emotional, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it is changing, but still there. And the, the one that really gets me is the technical one that we're not technical enough because that's, as a production person, that's where I had the most head-to-head, you know, with people that I have been saying things like, this is going to create so many technical issues in the long run, you know, and everybody's like, what would she know, you know? And then I had to liaise with my male colleagues who were really nice. And I was like, can you just repeat what I've said in the next meeting and see if it goes down well? And it did, you know, <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it's, it's frustrating, but this is still these things happening. And I can see that happening to other female colleagues. Like it's not only me. And it's also, like, we have to question ourselves, like, as women, how do we treat other women as well? Like, you know, because that misconception is not only... Not all men are like that, and not all women are like that, but I have situations as well where I question, you know, if I said this three times, if I had been a man, would that female colleague have listened to him, you know? And I had to go to a male colleague and I like, listen, you know could you explain this to this person, you know, and see if it goes down well? And it did, you know, so it's not like we have to all collectively change, you know, that it's about how well, you know, how to do your job. You know, it's about respecting that people experience, you know, and the trust, you know, that we have in each other, you know, whether we are male or female talking about male or female, you know, it's, it's all of us, really, that we have to like. I always said. I always say to myself, and I was like, "Will I be reacting to this person the same if he was a man? You know, will I be getting away? Will will I, will I be allowing this person to get away with this if he was a man or she was a man? You know, it's it's always like, you know, is this about the person or is it about the gender, sort of thing? I just keep questioning myself constantly mm-hmm. to try to see where I'm failing at, acknowledge the person and not the gender, sort of thing. I think
0: that's a really interesting point. I mean, like, Paula and I met on my first job in animation, which was at Ardman, and it was, like, it was a really heavily female-dominated team at that point. Um, but then I went on to move to other studios, and they were all very male-dominated. And it's it does feel like you were saying, Paula, like, it's this knock-on effect of there being, like, before us decades of it being like just mostly men. And then we've got that knock-on effect in our culture. And it's it's really funny because what both you and Steph were saying, like it resonated with me a lot because I have been on productions, I've been on small crews where it's been all men and it's been very like lad culture and the jokes that have been made by I feel were completely inappropriate, but I couldn't say anything. <laughs> you know like being calling out as the only woman sitting there it's very difficult even if it's making you feel uncomfortable um but you know also um not being taken seriously and particularly for technical jobs there have been times where I have answered a question that has been addressed to the whole group and I have been I have given the right answer but I've been ignored and they have walked over to a man and asked the same question only to receive the same answer and take that on board, like right in front of me. And other men have noticed it and called it out, thankfully, um, which I really appreciate. But it is that thing where it's like, this is still, this kind of behaviour and this kind of culture is still very prevalent in animation. And actually, I'm not sure how many people really are aware of it, or even that they're doing it. Like men and women, I completely agree. Like, I think I have experienced women treating me differently because I'm also another woman coming into the office um so I think it is something that we all have to be aware of and yeah I definitely agree with that like I wish people would treat me like the competent employee that I believe I am rather than as they they first and foremost see a woman and then they're like oh she doesn't know what she's talking about.
1: I'm going to jump in there too Um, Uh, I'll I'll hand it off to Gaia in just a sec. No, um, just something Paula said. um, We do tend to go for the people we know, even in production. I'm a production coordinator. You just don't need to think about it. Oh, I've worked with them before. We've got a similar project. I know that they'll get the job done. They will take the money. They're going to be happy with the money and I don't have to think about it. I don't have to stress about it. I can just hand them the work and then they're going to hand it back to me and it's going to be okay. Um, I do give props to um, my produ- uh, my line producer, um, Rebecca. She was very adamant to try to keep roles, both creative and on the production side, try to make it more 50-50 with men and women. And we have a, a female director who's full-time on board so um it can be done like it is possible um and it's just quite sad that some places because it's it is really who you know and who you're friends with and if you get into the right circles you tend to be a lot more fine but it's harder to find exactly how to fit into a certain group or get into finding the right contacts to progress further also the right person to vouch for you you move and progress way quicker than just working your way up you just need that one recommendation from that one person who has a lot of push and uh, a lot of circles themselves so yes definitely um in itself quite difficult um kaya
6: yeah, uh, I totally agree with what everyone said and I've felt it as well. What I'm about to say is like slightly different. It's really my personal experience because when I was hired um in Britain, I was really given a chance like they haven't heard of me. I was fresh out of school. Um and I was also really encouraged during my time in the studio. Like everybody was really positive and encouraging and aware of like me wanting to progress up and be a director and i still felt kind of stuck and it always and that's kind of why it's called the glass ceiling is that it's always this uncertainty of is this because i'm a woman or is this because i'm not trying hard enough i'm not being like out there or not like bold enough or just sometimes it's like am i not good enough like and you spend so much energy like trying to figure out what you should be doing differently. If it's just normal, it takes time. If yours should be more like, you know, and I think that's also what's really the problem is in all that is that I remember having like a problem with like a male colleague and it took months before we all figured out that it was because we were women because when you're alone and you don't communicate about it, you always tell yourself maybe it's just me and that's really hard to progress in that way because then you're sort of caging yourself in this feeling and then you have this doubt is this because I'm a woman but if you're surrounded by a lot of males they they're bound to say and that's not because they're evil or anything it's because they don't see it because they're not women and they're bound to say no it's just you're fine and like it's just how it is you know And I think for me, that's what's really frustrating is always thinking, is this because I'm a woman or not? You know?
0: That's a really interesting point, and one actually that Hodden and I were chatting about the other day, and we're having a really long rant about it. (laughs) um, Because somebody I was speaking to um, I mean, whether whether or not you believe it's an issue, but I, I raised the point about misogyny existing in society, and this man was telling me he disagreed with me. Um, and I was getting quite um, passionate about it. Oh. But um, I, was, I was saying to Hodin that I don't think many men actually understand or realise, like, and we've covered this in the People of Colour um, panel, but it's, it, I think certainly true for women that when you come to work, there are a lot of decisions you have to make about how you're going to behave at any given time and how you're going to respond because you know you will not be judged the same. I've worked with men, like Paolo was saying, like I've worked with men who have been incredibly um, emotionally reactive. Like they have had tantrums at work, which I find quite embarrassing, but they have literally like gotten so upset. They've like shouted at people, they've gone enraged. And you just think, well, if a woman did that, like there'd be some, somebody would make some joke about her being her period, probably um, it'd all be like, oh, women can't handle the pressure. Women can't do this. And it's like, you have to understand that every time I come to work, I have to make a conscious decision about the kind of person I want you to see me as. And I have made a conscious choice to be a very sort of assertive member of the crew. I have made that decision that I am going to call people out, but I know that that is going to come, that is going to have some kind of impact on my career and how people see me. And unfortunately, I think it has to an extent already. (laughs) Um, And again, like, I'm not saying this is true for all men because some of my some of the people who've supported me the most over the years have been men and they've been the kindest and the most supportive. But certainly at work, like there have been times where I have I have tried to be an assertive, I've raised the point, I've been ignored. And especially if I go to a male friend or colleague and I say, you know, I don't understand why this is happening, it, it feels very, this feels very grounded in my gender they'll be like, no, no, <laughs> like you're imagining it. And then you'll talk to a female colleague and they'll be like, no, of course that's what it is. Of course we can all see it because it's happening to all of us as well. So it's this really weird thing that it's just like, I, I don't think many men actually understand uh, the kind of thinking that goes behind it. And like you said, like it's exhausting to come to work and not to be able to give your creative best because you're too busy thinking about how you represent yourself both both in your behaviour and in your external,
4: you know, appearance as well, you know. Yeah, I I just wanted to mention, it was kind of more linked to what was talked about before, but, um, you know, um, how, you know, you're not taken seriously because of, you know, technical skills. But I also found like being a um, supervisor or a lead on a project, uh, if I request additional resources for my department, I'm more likely not to be heard than m- my counter male colleagues in other departments asking for a lot of resources. And there's no question at all. They will get it right away. Uh, you know, they will get all the help that they need all the support that they need. And, you know, it's more expected for me um, to, you know, take on more on my own and do a lot of management stuff on my own uh, or, you know, um, find ways to work around it because they don't have anyone available because they're, busy in other departments and I found that quite a lot frustrating as well like having that fight back and forth with uh, uh, production a lot um, uh, because I can't see the reasons why I like I'm even a lot of the times I'm not even asking for um, half of the resources that they have or (laughs) or maybe just one more person or one more uh, thing to help and I find it so interesting and so strange that it's just expected that I should do everything on my own and there's no Additional resources given to, to my department, and the only difference I can see as well, because there's other female, um, um, you know, supervisors on projects, and I can see the same happens to them as well. That is expected that they do most of it on their own. Uh, and as soon as a male colleague or a supervisor says like, "Oh, I need this, this, and this," and it's like, "Yeah, no problem." <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Paula, I saw you put your hand up. <laughs>
2: No, the, the hand up is just so, so we know, so don't worry. <laughs> it's like, but I, I think since we're, you know, talking within the visible and visual context as well, it's like sometimes, you know, if on top of being a woman, you have an accent <laughs> or your color of skin is different. It's like, it's never ending. It's like, why is it this person not, talk, not understanding what I'm saying? Is it that my accent is too thick? Or is it because I'm always laughing you know, that they don't take me seriously when I'm actually trying to have in a serious conversation. Isn't the woman thing, you know, and it's just, it's just all this accumulation of things that I feel like, you know, maybe if you're a white man in this industry, you don't have to second guess yourself, you know, but it's, it's, it is a lot, you know, and yeah, and I just, yeah it's, yeah, it's a constant conversation in your head. It's like, right, how can I, I just want to get the job done. You know, I just want to get the job done with the less impact on my crew, the most efficient as I can possibly can within the means, because sometimes the means can be quite tight, you know, and the expectations way too high, you know, and it's just like, okay, you know, how, how do I do this and how do I get taken seriously? And I think if we were all, you know, if, if the whole of the animation industry behaved in a professional manner, where people are being listened to. And if, for instance, if Narissa's is asking for resources and there's none, you know, they you have a sit-down and say, we cannot afford any more resources. How can we get to where we need to with what we have? Sort of thing. And you have that dialogue. Then you don't second guess yourself whether, you know, they're not giving it to you because you're female or, you know, but it's just like, I think there's still a lot of like, you know, unprofessional behavior within our industry. I think we suffer a lot from maybe, you know, like projects always having to get done very fast and not enough time for like finding a proper structure within the projects where people can, you know, a structure that eventually enables, you know, a strong pipeline and a strong communication line among, among all, you know, members of the team sort of thing. So it's just, it's always very difficult because of that, I think it's just like, yeah, it's just like everybody's like, oh yeah, well, oh no, you know, and you're like, but why am I not being heard here? You know, why, and that's the question, why am I not being heard, you know? So yeah, it's, I think it's, it's quite complicated, it's, definitely.
1: No, um, just to continue on from what Paul and Tanya have said, definitely I do find it hard, um, to work out whether or not what I'm saying isn't coming through because it's my skin colour and you just don't think I have the experience or the knowledge to be answering any questions or whether or not it's the fact that I'm a woman and both those factors are things that I just can't change. Um, So it can be extremely frustrating um especially if you notice things before anyone else and you try and suggest things to avoid any catastrophes happening or anything that could cause inconvenience you've seen it it's just no one is listening or hears you when you've come up with a solution so we don't end up in a worse situation so yes um definitely difficult but also something tanya said um Do you guys believe that there is an understanding of what women go through um, in the workplace? I would say mainly in studios because I'm one of those people, I wear a scarf, but I'm pretty liberal with how I dress. I like wearing tight, skin-tight jeans, but now there was a, a colleague a couple months, must have made a comment on my outfit being the tad bit too tight. And then from that point on, I just felt very uncomfortable because I felt like there was eyes on me. So um, factoring in that, like I would change and I have a uniform to go into work. So does anyone have any studio stories or working in pros- close proximity to with the opposite gender as well as just the workplace?
2: as a whole, the environment and the company itself. Paula? So I I witnessed something that I was not very happy about very early on in my career. And he, I was there, you know, as an assistant taking notes um, you know, you know again stressful situation. things to, to get done, and I was just there as note taking because my producer asked me to just go and take notes. You know and distribute. So I was I was very junior at the time, and it was a full it was a room full of men. I've never felt intimidated by that because I was raised by men. You know, I come from a family of a single dad with a brother and a grandpa. So I never I never thought about these things twice. Um, but I was taking notes. And the way they were talking about the female artists on that project, I was shocked. Very, very disregarding, extremely condescending. Like, it it almost felt like we were in a movie in the 80s. Like, I couldn't believe what I was listening to. But at the same time, you know, it was my first big project, you know, and I was very junior at the time. And I, I was just thinking, and I knew this woman because, you know, like... You know, you go out for pints, you know, you know, and I was just like, if I was any of them and I knew they were talking to me like that, like, like using the word chick and things like like, honestly, it was unbelievable, you know, and I was just like, I will feel so not cool with it, you know, and at the time, you know, it was a long time ago. I just, I just didn't, I should have said something to HR possibly, but I was just very confused, you know. And I was, and they were all like, "Ha ha ha, ha you know. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. How disregarding, condescending, you know. And it was only to towards the females, stuff, you know. And I just, yeah, I just, I wish I had said something. Now they wouldn't get away with it because I don't, I don't care. Like I, I, co- I'm, I made, like a conscious decision a couple of years ago to not let people get away with things ever again, you know, out of a very stressful situation that was put on. I I promised myself that, you know, and I have suffered because of that, but I'm a much happier person because of that sort of thing. But back back in the day, I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe what I was listening to. And that was big budgeted project, good studio, you know, good people, so yeah, and yeah, and I still, because now I'm calling it out, like somebody very unfortunate decided to do a, you know, a, a joke about fe- like females not being able to handle two things at a time. And I, I, I reminded him very kindly that, you know, that was a discriminative joke that, you know, could be taken into legal action. And this person was white, you know, he would just like the, the color drop off his cheeks. And I was like, I'm not gonna take legal action. But just to say you know those those jokes don't belong you know in whatever year it was which was not too far away you know so yeah it still happens you know
1: extremely unfortunate <laughs> um anyone else want to jump in Tanya um
0: this was this was a while ago, but I don't believe the studio has changed from what I've heard. But quite early on in my career, I worked somewhere which was very heavily dominated by men. <clears throat> and so much so that when we got there, we had to request a sanitary bin because they didn't have anything in the toilet to dispose of sanitary <laughs> products. Um, so it was kind of new to them that women get periods, which was quite amazing. Um, <laughs> all these men in their 30s or something. Um, but... Um, in the same place I had a big conversation with them um, and I, I wrote about this in the article and I've mentioned it a couple of times um I had a big discussion about gender equality and race equality at work and they told me that maybe there aren't female directors in animation because they're not very good at it and this was me having a conversation with I think four other white men who were there I was the only woman um and I am aware that also they. Like, they've had women leave the studio because they felt very intimidated by the men there because of sexual advances that have been made on them. And this is a very popular, like, well-known studio, but this has never been raised to them. I don't know how aware they are of it, but it is this thing where it's quite commonly and well-known you know, from freelancers. Um, but aside from that, like, you know, I think the general, we've we've had a bit of a chat about it already, but like the general sort of condescension um, comments being made about appearances. I've had the, you should smile more. Um, <laughs> I've had the, um, you know, that thing where you, you say something and nobody hears it, but then what you've said has magically come through a black hole and back throughout a man's mouth like two seconds later and suddenly everyone's on board with it. I've had that happen quite a few times. Um, I've had female friends who've told me that they've gone to other meetings where they are senior members of staff and every, all the men have spoken over them and ignored them. Recently, I had a friend take on a job and she found out she was getting paid less than her boyfriend for the same job at the same company. And when she raised it, they told her that if she didn't like it, they'd let her go. Uh, so I think these are all things like we're still sort of fighting against. And I think there's just, I guess this is the point originally of Visible and Visuals in my article was this belief that everything's equal. We're doing so well on the inclusion front. But, you know, I I still have to, usually when I get contacted by people for work, I still have to negotiate for a wage that I know male counterparts are getting and I'm not. Um, and that has been very difficult for me. Is this sort of, slowly understanding that there seems to be different wages depending on the gender and people aren't keeping tabs on it because these are generally freelance jobs that are coming in and not really on record so I don't think any of this is really taken into consideration most of the time when we're talking about gender equality Um, and also I'd quite like to quickly mention about how (laughs) There have been a couple of occasions where I've seen a lot of people saying these issues are because women aren't confident enough or don't know how to do certain things and I'm really not willing to accept that because I have worked with plenty of, I mean like all of you guys, loads of women I know who are really, really good at their jobs and have loads of really great ideas and are able to communicate those wonderfully because women are very famous for being good communicators so I don't I don't believe that this has anything to do with the entirety of our gender holding us back. Um, I just, I, I don't accept that at all. Um, but that's my, my two cents.
3: Steph? <laughs> Sorry, I lost my mouth. Um, yeah, so I kind of, it's a little bit of a different point of view, because obviously I'm kind of like on my own and I'm running my own thing. But I found, like, in terms of issues that are specifically for women, like, when it comes to – when you get to the age where you start thinking about having a family or or if you want to have children and how that's going to impact your career, um, like, very early on when I started freelancing, I was planning ahead, because I'm always planning ahead. I love planning ahead. (laughs) Um, I was going to lots of, like, networking events and meeting lots of people from all different industries, and I was asking these questions, like, how can – how can you have a family? How can you manage it? Like, how can you run your business or how can you do your job? Because at that time I was, I was pretty much doing everything. I was doing all the, all the illustration, all the animation as well as all like the business side of everything as well. And of course all of these events pretty much were run by men and their response was just like, yeah, well, you know, you just get on with it. It's, it's fine. You can do it. Um, And I was just thinking, oh, okay, so maybe I'm maybe I'm worrying about nothing and and it's not such a big deal. And it it wasn't actually until like a few years later when I still felt like I didn't really have the answers to my questions. I went to um, a female only networking event and I put that question forward and like just the the response was so different. And then and they were they were like coming up with all these great ideas and how like how they could make it more female friendly, how how to make the business industry or whatever industry they're in, because these women were like in all different areas, like just small things like, oh, it would be great if there were like crushers at these big event industry events and we can just take our children with us and, and leave them there. So then, So then they can get back to work when, when their children are really young. And it was just, yeah, just the difference in response was just amazing, really. And I think that, if there aren't any women like at a senior level in those companies then they just, they just don't know. (laughs) They don't know. I mean, I didn't know when I was starting out and that's why I was asking the questions and like no one could answer them. So yeah, that's, um,
6: I have Gaia maybe question. Sorry. Um, not a question, but I think one thing that I wanted to raise about that is, I've been in like meetings with clients and that's also, cause there's the thing, obviously, like with the studio, with the industry, but when I was in a studio, I went to meeting with clients and sometimes they were like outlandishly sexist and you just have to suck it up. Like I remember like working on this thing, it was like an advertisement for sports events and like the PR uh, department of the agency wanted absolutely to push in females because it's trendy but it didn't make really sense in that it was a whole, whole male event you know and I was like I kind of get them like it's kind of you like it's not very um, smart to do that but the people we were working with in the agency were like oh and we have to add a female in it I, like and there's like three women in the meeting you know, and it's like, I remember watching, and I know, like, my producer was a feminist as well, and we sucked it up, you know, like, there was a blank, and we talked about it after, but I feel like there's the thing where, when it comes to clients, like, sometimes what they ask, and, like, what they require, and, like, can you remove the female, can you, like, um, can you make them not gay, can you remove, like, the ethnic person, like, some way they speak, et etc, and it it is changing as well. It depends like who's working, and obviously like they're paying you. but I feel like how can we come up with a way to sometimes put our limits there? and I think it comes to studio directors, studio leaders to speak up sometimes, and I know that because most of the time they are male, white. Because they're like, yeah, no, it matters. But, you know, in the end, not that much. So we're going to take it. And for me, that was one of the most frustrating thing is that how do you navigate that? You know, I don't have the answer, but I thought it was worth bringing it up because that's something that frustrates me immensely.
2: (laughs) Paula? It's just following on what Steph was saying about how do you have a family, you know, when... When you work in this kind of industry, and I think you know that's that's both a problem for man, men and women. The whole thing with childcare and things like that, because in the UK, you know, the cost of childcare is extortionate. Whereas in other countries in Europe, you know, it's actually sometimes it's even free. You know, and I think you know I was talking to a very good producer, a friend of mine, a couple of months ago before lockdown. We went out for a coffee, and and um, as she was saying, there is a reason why there's no like female producers, you know, beyond the age of 40. It's not that there's none. It's that a, lo- a lot of them choose, okay, this is where my career stops because I have a family now and I have to juggle it sort of thing. And I think, you know, um, back in the day, I don't know if they still do it, but I remember um, temping for a couple of corporations before when I went to uni and they have creche, like how, you call crèches or how do you call it, like crèches? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, for the children of the people who work in that company, it didn't matter if they were male or female. You just take your kids, you're under four years old there, and they will have a team. It was a massive corporation, so they did have the money. It was a, ph- it was a pharmaceutical company. Um, so Obviously, they did have the money. But I just thought that, that's equal opportunity, isn't it? Because you, know, you don't have to stay at home with a kid. You can leave it at your work- place of work and then just go and do your job you know, and then come back, pick up your kid and go home, regardless of being, you know, female or male sort of thing. And those are the kind of questions that we also have to ask as well. It's like, you know, how can we change it if we can change this, you know, and and how do companies can provide support to both men and women with children, basically? Because I know in other European countries, like, you know, the fact that your partner can take also paternity leave it puts you in a very good position as a woman because it means that while he's on his paternity leave, you can go back to work if you choose to do so. You know, so it's like how how do companies, you know, how can companies create this environment, you know, so we can keep nurturing the talent and we can keep people in the industry. So, yeah, that's it. Tanya? Yeah, I
1: think that's, you
0: know, it's interesting point to think. Um, I was going to say one thing. I did remember. Um, Steph was saying about how how other women manage. I do remember going to I think an um, animated women um, event, and they had um, Claire Underwood talking from Pesty Studios, and I remember she was saying that you know for her the only option really. I think it was Claire Underwood and um, she was saying that the only option really was to bring the children into work but because they had their own studio they could do that and basically they had other women there with similar age children so they could sort of manage childcare and work at the same time but they wouldn't have known how to have gone about that otherwise. I think also it's it's important to sort of also highlight like again like female biology and how we take care of ourselves and the fact that you know unlike men there is sort of like a time limit on when we can have children and how things like stress and how many hours we work can impact our ability to have children and I think that's often not really taken into consideration in some studios they think like everybody should be working the same hours everybody should be committed to the work whereas the reality is like people who've got children or people who are trying to have children you know they don't they don't want to work like that and they shouldn't have to um and yeah I mean like I, I feel like recently there's been more acknowledgement of that and more people getting aware of the fact that you know you do have to there are going to be days where you're going to have to leave a little bit early and pick your kids up from school men and women i've seen it it being a lot more flexible which is great i think you know especially for tv series like as long as the work gets done that flexibility should be there for people who are in their 30s and 40s in particular um well anyone with children um but that kind of what guy was saying um about about saying something when these things come up leads us on to our next question, which is um, whether or not you feel comfortable raising those issues when you're at work,
2: when these things happen. Paula? I mean, i am always been told that I'm too blunt. Um, and like I said, I suffer a lot from it, but you know I cannot be any other way and I don't aim to. And I think, you know, feeling comfortable is really depends on where you're working. I have worked in places where I knew that if I said something, it was gonna, I was not gonna be heard, and nothing was gonna be done about it, other than me being singled out, you know, for you know, for calling it out. And there's other studios where I felt comfortable, you know, to speak to my producer or my line manager, you know, and said, "Listen, this is happening. I don't think it's adequate. You know, could we talk about it with this person, you know, in a constructive way?" and and things like that but it really depends on where you are now I call it I don't mind I'm at a stage in my life that just I I have zero tolerance for for you know bullying or you know somebody treating somebody badly like I have zero tolerance for that Um, but like before I, I was very mindful that if I kept going about the same I was gonna ultimately be the one ending up with not a job you know so that's and it really depends on where you are. Some studios are very, they listen to you and they don't do, they don't, they might listen to you and then they do nothing because of you know the bigger picture that they have at the moment or at, or at the time. Um, but yeah, just and then people that do listen to you and do take action. So it just it just really depends on on where you are, really. Mm. And Christy
5: um so there's I feel like it depends yeah as as what Paula was saying it depends on who you're working with like if you feel comfortable approaching them I found that the longer I've stayed in a certain place the more bold I've become like the more senior I get the more I'm willing not to take it like I've had experiences where I've had clients being really inappropriate with me and actually because my creative director or whoever wasn't there my senior he's not there um I, I just take it I sit there and I take it but then when they leave the room everyone's like that was really inappropriate like what are you supposed to do and you're like well ooh. Um, um to be fair like the place that I work at now like I am really comfortable just saying well I feel like this this wasn't handled correctly like I, I know that I, I feel like I followed procedure but I'm bringing it up now and it's always been sorted out but if you're like a new person in, 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 a, in a new studio like how do you even approach that if you don't know, if you don't feel comfortable approaching your seniors like how do we make it how do we how do we solve that how do we make that better for people like that's that's a question i would like to answer and i really don't have any idea how to do that um
6: yeah i think i'm almost like wanting a panel of white male directors of studios to answer these questions because i know as far as, like, as far as it doesn't put me in an uncomfortable situation, I try to raise these questions. And I know that I ended up being sort of like the quirky feminist of the studio with a bunch of girls. And the guys, they tolerate us. Like, they hear us. Sometimes they even, like, empathize. But it always feels like when it comes to things that are actually hurtful, like not me having, like, a feminist rant and blah, 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 but, like, things that I actually feel, like, they hurt me and I feel threatened or uncomfortable, then I know, and I feel uncomfortable because I know if I raise it up, it won't actually be received. And, and, and it's like, I can like twist my mind around like, oh, I, I kind of want to offer, like I know, I know I wanted to ask for like um, a period day off in the month because I have, but I have endometriosis and I can get like periods that are so, so painful. And I have to, like, just push through and be at work. And it's not how it should be done, like, if you're suffering. And the other option is a sick day, but I'm not sick, you know? And, and this thing, I never felt comfortable, like, proposing it because I know from the director's perspective, it, wouldn't be, it would not be ridiculous, you know? And it's always all of these little things, or, like, the same example where like clients being, like, well, they'll answer you, like, well, they're clients you know and i think yeah like being the quirky feminist kind of ends up being a bit frustrating because you're being kind of heard but you're not being listened to yes
3: like i said when i worked in in a studio i was only i only really worked there at a junior level and like i was very frustrated there and yeah, I just wasn't comfortable at all with bringing it up. I was too scared. I didn't want confrontation. I didn't, it just felt too risky. So yeah, I just kind of left it. And you know what? Sometimes I still feel annoyed about it now, even though it's years later. Um, and I don't really know how they could have dealt with it really. Cause you know, my manager was actually really lovely. He was really nice. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't have any answers. Um, But yeah, definitely when you're at that junior level, it is really hard because you're just kind of thrown into the workplace, aren't you? Straight from wherever you've been studying and everyone just seems like a grown up that knows what they're doing. And then you don't want to kind of upset everyone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's just my experience. Paula? Paula?
2: It's regarding what Gaia was saying about, you know, not feeling well because, you know, you have a, con- a condition, you know, that, that every day, every month you're like, oh my God, I'm in pain sort of thing. And I think, you know, in the same way that, you know, we accommodate, you know, other circumstances in studios, like, you know, um, like if somebody needs to take a day, you know, out for childcare and then they, they you know, like they, how do you say, they do it they, they catch up on the hours later on and all that stuff. I think it shouldn't be a matter of that. I think it's like, if, if you know that you have a condition, you know, and certain days you need to be home working, you need to be home working. You know, like, can, can you just, and, and if anything that, uh, that COVID has proved in the animation industry is that you can establish system for people to work from home when they need it. You know, like, and I think for me, you know, it's just like, that has to change. I work in a studio. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago where like I had two members of staff who really needed to work from home because they were having very difficult family circumstances. And to me, I knew they were going to do the job and I didn't care if they did the job from nine to seven or from five to 10. Like I just didn't care, you know, but the people above me, they were all old school in the sense that the only way you have to prove you're doing the job is if you're physically in the studio. And I was explaining to them, I've been working with these people for two years. I know they're going to get the job done. You know, I know they're going to get the job. Can they please work from home? I know it's not the studio policy, but it's a grievance, you know, and it can be done, you know. And I even talked to the production team and said, if we have to shift around, you know, workloads, will you be okay in order to support your colleague that is going through a hard time, you know? And everybody was on board. Like I talked to my production team before I talked to upper management. They were like, no, you have to be in the studio. And it's like, but it's this is about well-being, you know, it's about physical well-being. It's about mental well-being. And then you see them posting things on LinkedIn about how much they care about, you know, the well-being of the employees. And I was like, but all I was asking was that this person could just work one day from home, you know, and, and it was a no, because they had to be based in the studio. And it was not even forever, it was just you know, through this period that these, you know, these people needed, you know, in order to sort things out. And it's, it's shocking, you know, and and people shouldn't feel intimidated, especially when all studios and companies are waving their well-being flag, you know, and they're taking all these courses about how to be amazing at well-being, you know, and I was like, well, you don't have to take that course. I can tell you that if you give that person the opportunity of working from home for, for one day, two days a week, two, two days a month or whatever they need, you know, That's how you do it, with your actions, not with your flag, you know. And I'm hoping that because COVID has proved that we can work from home and we have become very uh, knowledgeable of remote working very quickly, that this will change in the future because it affects everybody in the industry, not only women. And it's like if you can prove that you can do your job and you can do it from home for a day or two and you, you meet your deadlines, you know and you stay in touch with your producer and even if that day is like you know what i thought i could work but i'm just feeling really rubbish you know i'm telling you now so you can plan ahead you know it's you know it's about trusting it's about communication and it can be done and i think that's uh how do you say a shifting mentality in the studios that has to change in order to be a little bit more flexible and to embrace your crew and support your crew when they need it so
4: yeah, that's that's my 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 you know uh, how I I dealt with a similar situation. Yeah.
1: No, I'm um, I'm gonna add my little tidbit to this. Um, I deal with migraines like severe migraines um, in my bed in the dark, windows all the way open. Um, no light whatsoever, no artificial light at all. So um, I was really honest, actually, when I first went, um, started working at emitted films where I work, um, I was really honest and they accepted me as a human, which was like, oh, this is, this is the environment that I can, I, I can work in and flourish in when people understand we are human, we're not perfect, there is flaws and accepting that this person wouldn't want my Like I I didn't choose to get migraines. I really, I would give them away in a heartbeat. It's not that I don't want to work hard or I'm asking for anything extra. It's just something that I didn't choose for myself that I've also got to work with and deal with and I will be the best person for the job, and I'll get my job done, but I will will be taking off more sick days than the average person, Um, but they also did witness my migraines, so they saw how it physically affected me, um, as well as just my like just my face like I I go gray all of a sudden and I think when that sort of human element and people genuinely start to care about you and understand we do have a job but there's people and humans behind the work I think um also helps so just trying to communicate with people on a more one-to-one I'm human you're human this is what's wrong can we figure it out I think also helps also I work in a very small studio. There is no such thing as HR. <laughs> it's a lot, uh, there are a lot more smaller to medium-sized studios which are similar, which there is no standardized way of like approaching things like this. So I say go to the person who's the highest up that you're comfortable with um, and friendly with and just ask them to have, a just s- s- pull them away private space can we have a conversation this is what I'm going through this is the person I'm going this uh going through with and this is the person who's affecting me and this is what's going on um how should I approach it um and that's kind of how it works where I work I go to senior staff um the most senior staff that I'm comfortable with and say this is what I'm dealing with can we sort it out? What What can I do? What is the process? Um, and that has honestly helped me so much. Establishing a relationship with someone higher up, who's also been in the studio for many years, usually helps, especially when there is no clear structure or someone you automatically would go to. Um, yeah, just a little tip from me, Paula.
2: It's another tip as well, actually. And uh, yeah, because it is true, like bigger studios, medium to big studios, they usually have an HR structure and system. They do have the policies that they have to give you when you sign your contract, where they are stated of like, you know, and they have the bullying and harassment policy and all that stuff. Smaller studios, not that much because obviously they don't have the resources and stuff. But one of the things that I found very useful and I felt very vindicated um, is screen skills has a free uh, bullying and harassment course it's a module really and it's kind of like a questionnaire that you read and then you just you know take the questions of situations that you think where you're where, where someone is being harassed or not and it's and it's very useful because a it made me feel very validated about a situation that I went through very recently and I thought okay I did the right thing you know but b it also like you learn about what um what kind of behavior is uh, is legally penalized and which isn't which it shows that, you know, there's some things that, you know, you will think that they will penalize, but they are not. And the other way around sort of thing. So, and and again, it's a free resource and it's there. And it also like, it gives you a little bit of advice on, on how to deal with these situations, exactly what Hodan has said. Um, so if anybody, you know, is going through anything like this, you know, go and take that because it's, it's I think it's maybe like an hour of your time. Uh, and it's very very useful. And obviously, I know Vectu in the UK. You have to be a member of the union, but they in they don't. I think in terms of animation, uh, they're more live action based. Like, but I think when it comes to bullying and harassment, you know, it's kind of like universal. Uh, and if you are a member of the union, they will provide you with uh, legal counsel as well. Um, so so yeah, just that. Kaya. Um,
6: I just wanted to, like, talk about it again quickly, like the period thing, because I think it's a thing where every woman has periods, most, and trans women as well, uh, non-binary. And I feel like in an environment that can be male-dominated, it's really hard to bring it up. And I remember, like, having friends that were really, really suffering and not knowing what's because You know, you're in pain and it's hard to think. And you're like... Should I say I'm going home? Should I not? Is it worthy or not to say I'm going home? Like all these feelings and like ended up going crying in the bathroom, et cetera. And I feel like it's not just the animation industry for this point. I think there's really a big conversation that needs to be added to the fact that women and people who menstruate have this particularity that is biological, allows us to have children, etc. And it should be taken into account that it can be really painful, it can be really tiring, and that I feel like companies in general really need to start taking action. Because if you're making your female staff feeling comfortable enough to be like, I need to go home right now, then they're gonna give best, like, better work and they're gonna feel more comfortable. So yeah, that's all I had to say about that.
1: Definitely um I'm gonna wrap it up I'm looking at the time
0: <laughs> and- Sorry, can I
1: just quickly butt oh. in there about yeah.
0: that point because I, I I I completely agree with Guy, and I really want to drive this home because I think what a lot of people don't acknowledge is the fact that like, okay there's a lot of learning for men to do but there's a lot of unlearning for women to do and I think like Maybe, I mean, I I hope, I really, really hope that for younger women, this isn't the case. But I'm in my early thirties. I went to a Catholic girls' school. Um, My mum's Asian, you know. Periods were something you like hid away. You didn't talk talk about it. You like if you had a period at work, like you very, very secretly go to your bag and you take out a tampon or whatever. You put it up your sleeve and you quietly go to the nobody can know that you're on your period because nobody can talk about this mysterious thing. No, no man must know that the moon is you know calling you. Whatever, it becomes like this weird thing. Like it becomes like a really scary thing to talk about to deal with. Um, and I have like even now like. There are points where I'm like, why am I hiding my sanitary products from other people? I don't understand why I do it. And I have to really say to myself, like, every woman, well, most, you know, women or non-binary people, they get periods, like, it's a natural, normal thing. And I have a friend who's, like, she's 40, and she was saying the same thing. She was like, oh, oh, I don't take my, I don't take my tampon out, like, in the office. It's like, it's not, it's not a used tampon. It's a clean, sanitary thing. It's In a wrapper, there is nothing offensive about it. And I think this is the sort of like thing we all have to understand is that we're all undoing this conditioning. And I would say, off the back, what pa- um, Paola and Hodden were saying about raising these issues in studios where you don't have an HR department, um, my advice would be to maybe, even if you can't, even if you don't feel comfortable talking to a senior member staff, find somebody even on your own level who can offer you support and go and have that conversation and just sit there with you. They don't have to say anything if you just want that emotional support. If a junior member, of, female member of staff said to me they felt uncomfortable and they just wanted someone to sit there with them, like, I'd do that, and I think a lot of other people in the industry would. You wouldn't feel put out or, like, in the way or whatever. Um, whatever makes you feel comfortable raising that issue and having that support, do it. But just make sure you approach it in a professional Kind of way, Don't, you know, it's very difficult not to get emotional, but that is something you have to be careful of. But that would be my my advice.
1: Um, be completely on board with everything Gaia said because I think that's really important. Um, I now want to add to you, Tanya. Um, me and Tanya have worked together on a couple of different projects, and we created our own little bubble in a sanctum <laughs> safety any concerns, anything that I felt like I needed to ask. Obviously, um, Tanya has been in the industry longer than I have, but then it was just kind of nice having someone that I could just go to and I'm not feeling like I'm crazy. You also noticed that. Am I wrong for feeling this? It's just a a nice validation. Um, Having someone kind of on your team and... I love working with women, uh, same like Tanya, I'm in a household full of women, so I know how to work and deal and interact with women so much more than the average person, I think. Um, and I say, let's support each other. Like, let's look out for each other because I feel like if I look out for the next woman, it will in turn come back to me in some way. I do believe in karma. I. I might be a little bit more of an optimist than most, but the more that I feel like I help other people around me, I think the more support and information that I've learned and gained from others. Um, So yeah, let's support each other. I think that's um, on that. But I think uh, another way of ending this is my favorite question. Why do you love animation? Why are we here? Why? Why is this conversation? Why? Why are we, Why have we ended up here? Um, what is it about animation that we love, Paola?
2: For me, it's just a beautiful, beautiful way of telling stories. Like, obviously, like I, you know, I went into university thinking that I was going to be doing live action, and animation for some reason kept crossing my way. And then I just love I just love everything about it. I love the fact that, you know, it's very heavily design based. Like I, I love that every every character that you have on the script has to be designed and built. You know, I love um the amount of people that you work with and everybody's craft is so important, you know, from the editor, from the to the assistant editor through uh, you know, production team, character designers, concept artists, uh, you know, sound technicians, which are magic sometimes, um, or most of the time as well. Uh, post-production, craziness, madness, when you see everything, you know, that everybody has been really hard working through into the big screen and you just give it the final touch and then you send it over. To me, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a media Medium that encompasses so many, 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 many skills, you know, and so which means that there's room for a lot of people with different skills to come and work in animation. Because uh, I think there's this this thing as well. In order to work in animation, you have to know how to draw. But there's an awful lot of you know jobs in animation that you don't really need to know how to draw. Like the script writer draws with words. You know, the music, the sound technician they draw with the um, well oh was it was the well with their sound software that I cannot remember, Pro Tools, you know. And and I, I don't know, I I just think it's it's so broad, so wide, and it reached so far in terms of skills that seeing them all coming together to tell a good story, hopefully. Um <laughs> uh, is amazing. And I and I I wish we could just, you know, make more films that are not only for children, but are also, you know, for teenagers and grown-ups, sort of thing. Because, you know, you can you, you you can do anything with animation. It's absolutely amazing.
3: Steph. Yeah, I mean, like um, Paula just said, it's the fact that you can just make anything, like anything you can imagine. You could pretty much make and I think for me I just love it because I can draw something from my head and then I can kind of literally just bring it to life like can give it a little face and it smiles and dances around and it's just I just love that feeling so much like it's so, it just makes me feel really happy so that's pretty much why I love animation and, and why why I'm doing it now
6: <laughs> Gaia? I think I totally agree with what Paul and Steph just said about the only limit is your imagination. You can tell so many stories, but I also think that you can, because you can draw anything you want. You can create like the world you want to see. You can create. You can tell really difficult things through visuals and and like stories that would be really hard to tell in live-action or, or in written format, you can find poetic ways to tell them through animation, and I think that's really, really beautiful.
4: Larissa? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, Paola, Guy, and Seth said like probably everything that I think as well, and it's just, um, animation is such a beautiful form to do storytelling, and you can have it as detailed as you want or as abstract as you want, uh to show emotions and characters um and i think it's just there's endless possibilities and that's why it's so intriguing and so fun to work in and yeah as Carla said collaboration is all of it for me i love the teamwork i love uh how everyone puts like a part of themselves into you know the film or a tv series or uh, a short film that you're working on and you can really feel it and you know um you can see a project growing much bigger than what it initially might have been as an idea because everyone puts a little part of themselves into it. And it it ends up being usually a project that you can be really, really proud of and you can see everyone's involvement. Um, And that's really, really fun to see and super exciting. And that's what keeps me going in animation and keep jumping from project to project is just, uh, uh, yeah, the possibility to create something that no one has ever seen before. (laughs) Yeah. Christine? Um, I really love animation. Um,
5: I I love the way that I can create an entire world. Like, it's megalomania for me, really, because I do architecture and you can't really just take over the entire world with that. So, animation just has everything to do with this. Yeah, I really love it. Um,
1: This is the end of our panel today. Um, Women in animation, (laughs) Um, I do believe um we could um continue this conversation and go on and on but um this has been visible visuals
4: thank you guys thank you so much for having me (laughs) thank you (laughs)